0: Well, again, it's a delight to welcome you to the service this morning. should mention also that uh, Brady, our worship director, uh, Michael was gracious to fill in today. It's fabulous. Thanks for leading the team, Michael. Uh, Brady, uh, his wife, Julia's grandfather, died this week, and so they're out for a funeral today. So think of them and pray for them. And Pastor Ken is gone uh, because his dad has his 90th birthday out in California. So he went to go celebrate with him. So That's a neat thing, but uh, they feel bad not being here today. Uh, on Friday, Fargo North and Grand Fork Central played each other for the North Dakota AA High School Football State Championship. Earlier in the season, North had defeated Grand Fork Central 48-6, to so Fargo North felt pretty good coming into the contest, although anything, of course, can happen in the playoffs, so they didn't take the game too lightly. But they felt pretty good about their chances of winning A day before the game, one of the players, talking with our son, who's on the team, and a senior, said, I just want to catch one pass in the game. I I just want to feel like I played a part in the victory. We'll get back to that at the end of our time together. But we are in a series in the book of Mark. Mark is the shortest gospel. Matthew, Luke, and John are longer. Hence, it's the shortest and as Pastor Seth has mentioned, Mark gets right into the life and ministry years of Jesus, a little different than the other Gospels. So take a look at this graphic. And I should mention, this graphic is actually from my son, Duncan, who is preaching in Bismarck today, which is awesome. And he was just looking through some stuff. He was here for the game this weekend. And uh, he goes, hey, Dad, check this out. And so he showed this to me. I was like, we have our intro. So thanks, buddy. So good for having a research and a writer in your house. But Matthew uh, said, before I begin, let me give you the genealogy of Jesus so you know this is about a real person, okay? That's kind of Matthew's emphasis. Luke, before I begin, let me tell you the backstory that led up to all of this. John, before I begin, let me explain why it's important to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, which is why many people say if you want to start in a book, start with the book of John, because as you read the book of John, it's pretty important that we understand that Jesus is the Son of God. And then Mark said, let's just get down to business. Let's get moving right now. Enough of this. The book emphasizes Jesus' actions more than his teaching. In fact, he recorded 18 of Jesus' miracles, but only four of his parables. Pastor Seth looked at the parable of the soils last week, and this week we get to look at the other three parables in the book of Mark. I don't know about you, but sometimes maybe you realize the work of the Lord can sometimes be frustrating and disappointing. We work hard, but we see little fruit. We shine the light of Jesus, we pray, we do everything we can to sow the Word of God in other people, but not much happens. It Seems almost futile, and we wonder, why even continue? William Carey, who lived from 1761 to 1834, he's known as the father of the modern missionary movement, labored in India seven years before seeing his first convert. He shared the gospel for more than 40 years, but the fruit of his labor was minimal, Still, he could say the future is as bright as the promise of God and expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. William Carey may have, and maybe you now also, may receive inspiration to press on by these three parables that we'll cover today. The theme of all of them is how God's kingdom emerges and grows with the appearance of Jesus, who came to give his life as a ransom for many, and these stories drive home the need for the response of faith to God's revealed word. Our passage today is Mark 4, 21 to 34. And in your notebooks, follow me, Marks of a Disciple. We're on page 54. And if you don't have one of these journals to take notes on for this series, and we're going through the whole book of Mark, this is the first book in a series that we'll have for those notes. If you need one, just raise your hand real quick and the ushers will hand one of these to you. They would love to give that to you. And if you're online today, just uh, go in the chat box and say, Hey, Gary, please send me a journal. And Gary will make sure that he gets that sent to you this week. Follow me, Marks of a Disciple, a great tool for you to take notes. And we will be on page 54. These three parables uh, can be summarized with one word. Imagine that. I found a word. And it is when. Win. Win. It's such great and encouraging news. It stands for the wonderful light is Jesus. Innate power in the word and no boundaries for the kingdom. So let's start by looking at the wonderful light in verses 21 to 25. Here's that passage. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be manifest not as anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The lamp, and for that matter, any lamp, is not brought in to be put under a basket or a bed. That just doesn't make sense. You put a lamp up high in the open so it can have the greatest impact on the area. Likewise, God has sent this lamp, Jesus, to bring light to a dark world. He has come to reveal truth, enlighten minds and conquer darkness. Jesus is referred to as the light in a number of passages. John 12, 46 says that Jesus has come as a light into the world. John 1.4, he is the light of men. John 1.9, he is the true light. And John 8.12, he is the light of the world. Can you think of a time when you really desperately needed a light? Like it was pitch black. You didn't know what was going on. You just needed some ray of light to light the way. Well, for me, it happens almost every morning. Because when I get up, our room is usually pretty dark. And I have the most sensitive baby feet ever given to anybody. So it's weird being 6'6 and large that I just have to walk very tenderly when I'm walking around a room. And so many times if I even step on so much as the flat extension cord, like that's just very minuscule, I will breathe in pain just like, oh my goodness. And I will sometimes make expressions loudly that to which my wife was like what did you step on I said the extension cord and she'll roll over I just go what a guy but I need a light because when I get up I need to see that it's a safe pattern a safe pathway for me to go to get to the closet or to go over to the bathroom I'm tense until my path is lit so I give the light full access to my path I don't take the light on my phone, turn it to flashlight and cover it with my hand and go, maybe through my hand I can see what's going on. Or I don't take my pillow and put it over to my phone and go, boy, this isn't really helpful. You don't do that with a light. A light is meant to be exposed and to light a path. The light referred to in this passage may be, for the most part, hidden at the moment. However, eventually the whole world will see the glory of this light the world may try to hide Jesus, but it will fail miserably in those attempts. Last week, Pastor Seth pointed out that Jesus, when beginning the parable of the soils, said to listen. Remember that? Listen, listen. Well, here again in today's passage, the message paraphrase of verse 23 says this Are you listening? Really listening? The call to listen is found in verses 3, 9, 13, 23, and 24. I feel like Jesus is leading a youth group. (laughs) Listen, please, listen. Don't go use the bathroom. Sit down. Get off of your phones. Listen. This is important. Hearing the word and acting on it is of tremendous importance. Here, uh, the means of measuring is hearing. If your hearing is good, rich, and receptive to the word, you will receive it back and even more. Proverbs 9.9, 9, listen to this, says, Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will learn more. Respond to God's truth and more truth will follow. Embrace the kingdom now when it is small and you will share, it, share in it when it is worldwide. In contrast for the one who rejects the word even what he has will be taken away. Refuse Jesus and the word and you lose the little you may have once had. This is a critical spiritual principle. Our spiritual health and our spiritual eternity is at stake. How do we respond to Jesus or how we respond to Jesus day by day is of utmost importance. It's not a matter of just sitting through a worship service until It's done and go home. It's about listening and responding to say, God, what is it that you have for me? He is the wonderful light. Allow him to light your path. The second parable talks about the innate power of his word. Uh, Mark 4, 26 to 29. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This is Mark's only unique parable, not found in any of the other gospels. In the parable of the soils, the focus was on the sowing and the soils. Remember last week? Here, the emphasis is on the infinite power of the seed, The word of God has within it the power of its own success and triumph. Let the word of God loose and watch it work. The man is not important here. The seed is the focus. The man is passive because the power of the seed to sprout and grow is not in him. The seed has within itself the power of its own generation. James, the half-brother of Jesus, put it this way in James 1.21 Humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. Plant the word in a receptive soul and it and off it goes. Who would have imagined that starting with only a group of 12 men, Christianity would grow to where it is today? But it won't stop there. It will continue to grow until every people group on the planet is found in the kingdom. God will ensure this growth. Are you certain you're a part of it? Jesus is a wonderful light. He'll light your path. His word has the innate power. God's kingdom has no boundaries. Mark 4 30 to 34. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. The mustard seed was renowned for its size in Palestine because it was the smallest of all seeds sown. In Matthew 17, 20, Jesus uses the mustard seed image to present a minimal quantity of faith. And we see what can happen with just a minimal quantity. Here, Jesus wants to draw an analogy between the mustard bush's microscopic beginning and its large mature state. At the beginning, a small seed is sown, but soon the small seed explodes in growth. It produces something completely out of proportion to itself. Likewise, from small and meager beginnings, God's kingdom will expand and grow for all to see. What began as the smallest becomes the greatest. Unlike his first coming, when Christ returns, I love this, all the world will see as he surpasses all the earth's kingdoms in power, glory, and majesty. What an encouraging word for those who think they labor in vain who endure rejection and persecution and who may even die for their faith. God's kingdom will continue. It has no boundaries. If you ever feel frustrated like God isn't listening to you or you're not seeing any fruit or results from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others, know that God is at work. His kingdom has no boundaries and his kingdom cannot be stopped. Also, in case you're concerned with the news, you hear about youth and the high percentage of teens uh, leaving the church. We were at a conference this weekend called the Reality Apologetics Conference in Minneapolis. And we had 17 of us from our church that attended. But we attended with over 4,000 young people and leaders. Nearly 4,000 youth and their leaders invested a weekend in intense apologetic training and worshiping of King Jesus. I want you to take a look at this. This is Grace Church of Eden Prairie. That's one shot of the front stage of intense worship. And now some of you may think, boy, that, that kind of scares me actually, kids worshiping, because just think of how loud that music was, right? Well, there wasn't a the problem hearing the band. We'll start there. But when it was probably the most uh, expressive times of worship were when a couple of, they led a couple of hymns and the instruments cut out and the place just erupted. How awesome God is. The fact that we're here to be trained to stand up for Jesus Christ. That's the next generation. That's the group coming up to say, we're going to stand for this. There's all kinds of people that are starting to what they call deconstruct their faith. And they had seminar breakouts and all kinds of training that these kids are getting to say, we're going to stand on the truth of Jesus Christ. And it was powerful training. And it's encouraging because we know that God's kingdom has no boundaries. And this is evidence through over 4,000 people in just the Midwest They gave up a weekend to say, this is important to us. We want to be trained and prepared. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, it's time to get in the game. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're on the winning team. Live like it. Desire to be used by God to make a contribution to the winning effort. Who knows, maybe God will allow you to experience some type of huge spiritual blessing because you jumped into the game. Go for the win. What might God want to do through you? The Reality Apologetics Conference this weekend had been at other sites around the country prior to coming to Minneapolis. One retired man who was a volunteer at Grace Church Edina heard about the conference. He started calling people and saying, we want this conference here. We want to train young people in apologetics. We don't want to just play games. We don't want to just sing. We want to get fully trained to defend the word of God to the next generation. So he started contacting people, working his network, and eventually they decided, you know what? We're going to come to Minneapolis. One guy, a retired guy, said, I want to catch a pass for Jesus. I want to do something. I want God to do something through me. And a few years later, Nearly four thousand people are being intensely trained to defend the word of God. What do you want to do? What does God maybe want to do through you? One man, one passion, huge results. Oh, and by the way, the player—the beginning of our sermon today—he did catch a pass. In fact, he caught the first pass of the game. He ran about forty yards for a touchdown. I don't choke up because of football. Trust me, I love football, but I choke up because I just think, God, I want to catch a pass. We're on the winning team. How much more enjoyment is there when we say, God, I want want to do something. I want you to, to use me to contribute to this victory that's coming, that's promised. North didn't know they were going to win the game. We do. We know that we're going to win. I want to do something for him. What about you? What do you want to do? Do you want to catch a pass? you want to catch a pass with our Salem Kids Ministry? Can you imagine if you said, you know what, I want to teach Sunday school? Not because there's a need or there's an opening, which there is, but because you want to catch that pass. Can you imagine a little guy or gal walking up and saying, thank you so much for teaching my Sunday school class. Man, I love it. Thanks for showing me God's word. That's a touchdown. I like touchdowns. Maybe it's youth. Maybe it's giving. Whatever your gifts are. Be in the game. Do something. Don't just stand on the sideline and watch. It's so much more fun on the field. What is it that God may ask you to do? We're on the winning team. Follow Jesus. Grow in your relationship with him. Seek him. Go catch a pass this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it can get kind of uh, heavy sometimes when we look at the world around us. When we look at some people who have claimed to know you as their Savior and then they the wonderful word of deconstruct their faith based on man's input into their life. Lord, I thank you for the over nearly 4,000 people that got training this week I pray that that training would solidify in people's hearts and minds. Help these kids to stand up for you and help them to know that your kingdom can't be stopped. We go share the the good news from your word to people because that's where the power is. We just say it and let it happen. And then watch you provide. What a privilege it is. What a great honor to be part of your winning team. Thank you for the promised victory. Forgive me and forgive us when we sit on the sideline. And you've got a touchdown pass waiting. I think of that for Seth and Nikki too, Lord, that you've got a touchdown pass waiting. And it's gonna, the, the play is going to get called. We know that. We trust you for that. Please give them hope in that truth today. Lord, your word is powerful. Help us to take the things out of it that we should and help us to apply them to our lives. Help us to live lives of discipleship that follows after you, that grows in our relationship with you. And that represents you well to this world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.